You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, a podcast hosted by me, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps online course creator, consultant, and a Docker captain. This podcast contains clips from my weekly YouTube live show, where I host a real-time Ask Me Anything style chat with guests and anyone who shows up on YouTube chat, many of whom are students of my Docker courses. You can find out more information, including show notes for this episode at brettfisher.com slash podcast. That's B-R-E-T-F-I-S-H-E-R dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. In this special episode, just a day after Docker announces they've split the company and sold their enterprise products, I sit down with fellow Docker captains Jeff Nikoloff, Michael Irwin, and Nirmal Mehta to discuss it, as well as discuss the future of Docker's open source. As a reminder, this podcast is listener-supported by those of you that buy my courses. If you're already one of the 120,000 students, I thank you so much for your support. It means a lot. We're launching a whole new Kubernetes Mastery course soon, and you can get course coupons, join my 20,000 user Slack community, and sign up for my newsletter at brettfisher.com. Now on with the show. All right. Welcome to the show. A special day here on my channel. Since Docker's in the name of it, I figure we've got to talk about the latest Docker news. That's going to be all we cover today. So if you're here thinking you're going to get help with your Docker run commands, probably not the day to hang out and ask in Q&A. We've got a ton of information to talk about, multiple press releases, and I pulled all the strings, got a bunch of friends in the, in the room. So let's just get straight to it because I'm sure you want to talk about the headlines. So uh, we'll go around the room. Everybody, um, starting with Jeff, just introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and why you're here. Um, my name is Jeff Nikoloff. I've been blogging and writing and using Docker since mid-2013. Um, I spent time at Amazon. I was at Amazon when I discovered Docker. I'm here today because it's still a really important project to me every day. And uh, I, I like participating in the scuttlebutt as much as the next person. Nice. Scuttlebutt. I like it. Sailor terms. Mike. All right. I'm Michael Irwin. I'm a, I guess, frequent flyer here on the show. So uh, glad to be back as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm at Virginia Tech. I'm an applications architect and a little bit developer as well. I've been playing with Docker for about four years now and uh, been playing with a Docker app and a lot of the, the kind of cutting edge stuff and figuring out how we can better our development workflows and process and that kind of stuff, which Makes me excited for the announcement, but won't won't jump into it too much yet. But uh, happy to be here. All right, and Nermal's last. All right, um, not least, right? Not least, uh, I'm least. Yeah. You're last. <laughs> uh, I'm Nermal Matha. I'm a chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, I'm in uh, very sunny Durham, North Carolina, um, and uh, I've been a, a a user of Docker's technology. From a very early early stage, and uh, uh, just love interacting with the community. And I've I've been on I've been on your show a couple times now, Brett. And uh, this is going to be an interesting one for sure. Yes. yes. And in case you didn't, so all three of these gentlemen have been on the show before. You can look through the archives and find, uh, just search their names or their Twitter handles. You'll probably find it. And the way I kind of this is ar arriving at a perfect intersection, and I didn't get the chance to put the Docker logo in the middle, but I wanted to put like between the quad of us, I wanted to have some sort of logo because we all have a different relationship a little bit to Docker. We're all captains, but we come from different backgrounds. I tend to come from like the the solo DevOps or the small team DevOps. I, f I mean, I'm just going to speak for everyone else. I spill. I feel like Jeff is coming from the cloud focus, uh, having that AWS background and. Um, dealing with cloud-focused projects. Mike's coming from the EDU background, working in university, and uh, Nermal's working on like the big biz background, w working with the big consulting companies. So um, I feel like we, between the four of us, we probably have at least four opinions on the, on these things. <laughs> so oh, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. So let's go with what we know, and th and of course, everybody, throw your questions in the chat about all the news topics. Uh, we'll get to them eventually. Um, but let's just go through what we know. I'm going to list off a couple of things, and then if anyone else wants to throw in other stuff they know about. So what we know from the press releases, there's one on both Docker's website um, that I'll just throw up here real quick. Docker's website has a press release. Um, Mirantis, who is the company buying part of Docker's 
tooling and people is uh, got their own press release and then each ceo put out their own blog post and each one of those has little nuggets of information that i think is key to dissect but we're not going to wear ourselves out on 30 minutes of trying to go through all these different uh, stuff so the big things for me were docker sold its enterprise products to mirantis that so to me that's everything close closed sourced and essentially what's left is all the people focused on developer open source tooling and then Docker well, Hub, which is kind of yeah. in the middle there. That's what I was going to say that the, the services component of it, um, I didn't get any impression that the services were going anywhere. So what, what does that mean to you when you say when you say services? Well, I mean, that, uh, I mean, so I don't even remember when it was like 2015 or 2016 that when Docker acquired Docker Cloud. Um, and obviously Docker Hub, these were the two biggest value. Well, uh, Docker Hub definitely was the, probably the largest value add that the Docker brought to the entire community. I mean, a lot of people will like when they're even when they're minimizing Docker, they're like, ah, oh, Docker just like took something we've been doing for a long time. And, and then they added packaging. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, that was a big deal for a lot of people. Right. And even when you look at it today, like. Even the people who who don't want to depend on like Docker Hub, they end up doing so. It is it is pervasive, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like basically the way that I read the whole thing was like, hey, we we were going to market with like six different business models. Uh, we tried one and within an enterprise software, and it's like it's not something that 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 they. I mean, they they sold it. I just don't yeah. think that they were hitting their growth targets. And so like get some value out of it, shed it, let somebody else build it, who that is their entire business model, who they can focus on it and, uh, you know, focus on other ways to bring value to the, to the market. So. Anyone uh, else? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I, good. That's good. I, I kind of, I, I tend to agree with that sentiment. Um, it's a little the 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 kind of concern there is, you know, they've spent a lot of energy on the enterprise products as the primary business model, and for the part of Docker that's not going to Mirantis, I wonder if that's going to affect their future business models and what what we're going to expect or what we're going to see out of out of you know they're they're new refocused on 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 developer tooling what whatever that means right now right yeah um so if we talk about and if we try to take this thing and break it up into topics to me the first topic that we can just get out of the way cuz i think a lot of us want to talk about the future of docker and like where is this going and what what's that mean developer tooling and you know taking ourselves back 5 years to re- remember the original you know, pre-cluster orchestration Docker when that was not the focus. But so if we talk, take the, the deal and what we know about Mirantis being, uh, they were, they were uh, I guess, because I had not heard of them before yesterday. Um, and they were largely in the uh, open, not open shift, but... Um, open stack. Open stack, yeah. They were, they were originally open stack. I guess they moved to open shift. And... And so now they're like trying to be the Kubernetes company, like a lot of these other companies. And um, this, to me, it essentially doubles their employees and triples their their customers. <laughs> so we assume that there was some something in the back, you know, something behind these companies that they traded stock or you know private stock or money or someone went and got VC money. Who knows how that all worked out? That's not public. They're not sharing that, and of course, we don't get any access to that. We're just engineers. Um, so th- what we know is that th- I'm going to guess there was around 450 employees at Docker, and it seems like thir- 300 of those are going to be leaving and become Mirantis employees. So if you're an enterprise customer, they have an FAQ that really talks through it. And basically the answers are, you're going to be working with the same people. It's the same product. It's the same people, just a different paycheck. And eventually uh, we're hearing from the Mirantis press release that they'll be merging their stuff together to create one cohesive strategy around multiple products, which is kind of to me, like what VMware did with like pivotal had their Kubernetes and VMware had their Kubernetes. And it sounds like they're trying to bring that stuff together at least. Um, 
everybody's buying everybody in the Kubernetes space right now. So I guess this is just another one of those things. It's an era of consolidation for sure. Yeah. What's kind of disappointing <clears throat> on that side is that Kubernetes shouldn't be the only, like there's still space for innovation in the orchestration space, I think. <laughs> Wait, what? Think, that is an incredibly, that is like one of the most political statements I've heard. You're going to go start kissing babies soon. <laughs> Heresy. <laughs> like, yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of pain with Kubernetes, right? Yeah. Correct? Right. And I think, and my feeling like the market right now is all about trying to figure out how to reduce that pain whatever people's perception of the pain is without reinventing the wheel, right? I think like K3S okay. is probably the closest to trying to reinvent, but they're not touching the app workflow. They're just touching the infrastructure, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a consolidation play. Like, I mean, when, 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 when your business model is around like enterprise sales, like you have with your VMwares and your Pivotals and all that kind of stuff, like really the only way to actually grow is, is to absorb the other businesses. Right. I mean, we see that with, with the IBMs and the red hats, like that you're not going to suddenly discover another, a different set of the global 10,000. Like that's right. just, they did, you're not going to like, you know, that's just not real. Um, and, and moving down this, moving down the market into, into larger markets, but smaller dollar figures, then it's just a totally different business. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, and, and but that, that sector is so already so well covered by managed cloud products that, you know, what's the, what's the value add? How are you going to justify the, the additional cost? So yeah. I think it's, it, you know, like overall, I think strategically for both companies, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I hadn't heard of the, the company that acquired them, you know, either, but, Clearly, they've got a, a solid. I'm just not in that market, so yeah. why would I have? Right, yeah. and so you know, they they went out, and I think they made a really smart purchase. Um, you know, like the the there are a lot of Docker Enterprise customers, and like they they built a their their sales org built a real customer base. And at the end of the day, it just it was not. I just don't think it's gonna like that. That business model was was, and it, it feels like they they agree like. That business model is not one that Docker's investors need to justify their their growth ambition. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that their their PR uh, says um, the press release from Marantis says one third. So, you know, we we don't know numbers from all the different companies in the Kubernetes space about what customers they're getting necessarily. Like everybody will put a couple of key big ones, but we don't really know information like what they put in there. One third of the Fortune 100 and one fifth of Global 500 use Docker Enterprise. So that's a pretty big number to me, considering that they're competing with the likes of, you know, VMware and Red Hat, and uh, those companies make billions of dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, but they're, but they're, they're not actually competing. They're, I mean, well, not until recently were they actually competing because VMware was an, was a, an infrastructure play, mm -hmm. not a, an orchestration play. Um, yeah, it wasn't and, that long ago. <laughs> I mean, um, coming, from, coming from a background of supporting large organizations, most large organizations and companies use everything. And some, like, there's, there's, uh, there's a difference between saying that, you know, the Fortune 150 companies have Docker EE and saying that, you know, 80% of their business of 150 Fortune 500 companies are running on Docker EE, right? right. Like, those yeah. are two separate things. So, it could be someone, you know, running Docker EE in a lab somewhere, or it could be, you know, uh, supporting their core business. It's it's very hard to tell these days. And, right. and everyone's goal is to muddy the waters to to make sure that no one really realizes that the customer base is probably a lot smaller than everyone wants to admit yeah. Yeah. Um, with respect to moving to the cloud and moving to these new types of uh uh, distributed application architectures to be yeah. rank. Yeah, I thought that the price was really interesting, though. Um, what was it like? Thirty? What was it? The, uh, they they got a cash injection of something like thirty-three million or something like that. Thirty-five, yeah, thirty-five. Thirty-five. Um, you can you can infer all sorts of interesting 
things from that price. Um, to me, it's like a reboot. Like this is this is the cash infusion to restart Docker as a as a back again to the OG, you know, developer yeah, tooling yeah. company. I would hope so. I think we're all hoping that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rebirth day. So. I mean, I'm not one of those business people like, that reads into the numbers and studies crunch base and all that stuff, but I was just feel, feeling like that number meant that that money was going to Docker to fund the company while it comes up with some new revenue streams. And then whatever deal was done in the background was for the investors of the original company or something that, but we have no evidence of that, but you know, obviously that stuff didn't move to a new company for free. So one might think, okay, well, if, why does, why does Docker need more cash if they just sold a whole bunch of their stuff? And I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing, but you can, you can wonder what 35, yeah, more cash is better. But um, so one thing that's not really been talked about and those of us close to Docker yesterday were talking with all of our friends in Docker. And one of the things that's not really talked about is the fact that unlike selling the product away or selling a company whole, they're, they're splitting the company and that means splitting the employees. And it's like, uh, like Ginny told me, uh, they're breaking up a family. And that has got to be a hard part for like 450 people today dealing with the fact that uh, the people they worked around every day may not be working with them anymore. Yeah. And I, I hope they don't lose. I, oh, well, I, we know like do, going through that, you're going to lose a lot of momentum. You're going to lose a lot of energy, a lot of good faith um, in terms of good or goodwill, I guess you could say. I, I, I hope uh, there's some amount of, there's a quick recovery around this and that, you know, core folks are in the right place for for their own careers, for their own goals, and and for their own success. And I think as captains, all of us wish everyone the best on their future endeavors, uh, whether they are at stay at Docker Inc., Mirantis, or uh, you know go somewhere else. Um, I think the community around Docker and the interaction between the community and its employees have is one of the core strengths of of uh of docker inc uh overall and i hope that magic isn't lost and uh i i think that's that's where the next couple of weeks is going to be the toughest uh, is trying to see where that is uh where that all settles in the next couple of weeks and i and i totally agree it got a little sad there for a second there norm but uh but yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it, it'll be interesting to see how things split. And I, I don't know yeah, much about Marantis. Is Are they going to have to relocate people? Are they able to stay where they are? Um, you know, are, are people going to still be able to rub shoulders, you know, down at the bar or, you know, whatever? I'm, I'm not sure what what this change in, it, in companies really is going to mean. So I don't know. Like, I mean... Not to not to downplay the, the sad stuff because it, it, I mean any any kind of unexpected change is always is always disruptive, but like I mean they're from a from a you know fulfillment from your job perspective it's like if you were on the enterprise product and now you're going with enterprise I mean you're going to be able to focus right like there's not going to be there's, there's you're going to get rid of all the internal tension where people are talking about well we're trying to compete against ourselves. We're selling a product that competes with our open source product like that just goes away right there's there's no more well we've got these 15 different like assets that we're not able to invest into any any one with any vigor right and so it's i think that there's going to be you know and it's not like anybody's going away i mean you might move to a different mm -hmm. building right but at the end of the day like the products are intrinsically linked you're if if you had interactions with a person who is fulfilling a role uh i mean you still have a dependency on that team right and so that like it's a small community anyway and realistically like over the last three years i feel like there's been so much like rotating personnel there kind of anyway where like a lot of the a lot of the early people that i developed relationships are gone like there's really really like a handful of people that i have uh any kind of real relationship with still at docker um and so 
you know, like it's it's good. Now I feel like I've got really good relationships with people that are at Microsoft, who are at GitHub, who are at Google, who are who are still at Docker, who are at lot, like a lot of other little companies. And so it's kind of like, you know, like watching this great little team that builds something that I've always been really excited about kind of like mature and, and flourish and kind of like go out into the world and and build a, a bigger, tighter community. Um, so I, I think it's more of an opportunity than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, I think we, well, we, a lot of us feel that way, right? Like that um, we, I, so all of us here, maybe not Mike, but I still consider him in the same, the same theme that a lot of us got involved with the community, started running meetups and stuff before Docker enterprise. Um, and then Docker enterprise was a product that was uh, there to basically create the revenue stream they needed to, you know, make a viable company. And, um, but it wasn't one of their, you know, even first five projects, <laughs> right? For for several, for at least two or three years, they were uh, just creating open source tools. And I think the only thing you could pay for was Hub, and then eventually Cloud, and then they, yeah, and then Store, and then they created Dude. Docker Data Center, which is now Docker Enterprise. The first thing you could pay for is DTR, and and yeah. Cloud. Oh, I mean, so I, I think DTR was before Cloud took payment. I didn't, yeah. Well, it's around the same time. Okay. I mean, I, I think I think most of them, most most of their big projects were were early acquisitions too. I mean, Google Cloud was Tutum. Um, yeah. um, even even I, I believe. I mean, correct me. I, I wasn't in on the team. I don't really know know the know the details. But I think even like the early version of the like the first revision of um, Docker Enterprise, like the the GUI was was an acquisition. I don't remember. I don't remember the company um, that produced the tech initially, but um, but I mean they they did a lot of that, that, that built yeah it was shipyard that building. Um, we, so. we, we've got some uh, very quick commenters, uh, so I've been watching the stream and it's it's they're, they're filling <laughs> in the gaps for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I have no doubt. So I I, I want to pick up on one thread there um, that that you kind of called out, which is it's an opportunity to focus both on Mirantis's side and and allowing the Docker EE team to really focus on whatever products are going to come out of that you know that this acquisition, and it's also a really optimistic thing for Docker Inc to now focus more on the developer user experience side, which. Um, I'm going to speak from my my own spot. Is there's still a lot of white space left in making the developer local development and the developer ecosystem tooling uh, the user the user experience has a lot of space to improve. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there, especially from uh, a company that and, and an open source community that has strived to keep design and user experience as as a first class citizen in all the decision making they've done in the last you know five six or five years now so um that i think does represent a huge opportunity and uh, if if this kind of split allows uh the the engineers working on the open source tooling and the new tooling that's going to come out at some point um to really double down on that user experience, that's that's a great opportunity and and can be very really re-energizing for the community as well. Yeah, I totally agree. One one of the areas I'm kind of interested to see play out a little bit is uh, Docker Desktop. Um, well, okay, back up just a little bit. I've been noticing over the last even just two years um, that the you know, I, I teach a lot of one ones and getting started with Docker, and the audience has shifted dramatically over the last over that time period, where it's not so much of a hey, I, I want to spend time in the CLI and understand the nuts and bolts and how everything's working. To how, just how do I use this? And we we started seeing Docker start to recognize as as well. And so the Docker Desktop Enterprise Edition had the project templates and kind of GUI and application designer and all this kind of stuff that made it a lot more approachable to, to many audiences. Um, but recognizing that was part of the enterprise edition, closed source and everything. And I'm wondering if that's going to make its way back into the, um, I mean, cause that, that's really the developer workflows. Is that going to make it back into the, 
the the open source or the a paid version for it or something like that. Um, because yeah, with the shifting audience, I, we're going to have to probably see more of the kind of GUI based approach and that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see that play out a little bit. Well, I, I, I have oh. like a deep skepticism around that. Um, sure. I mean, like the, the, I don't know. Like you, you can certainly say, okay, if we're not going to focus on enterprise sales, right? Like our customer has shifted from the global 10,000 to, um, you know, uh, uh, 50 million potential developers or something like that is gross overstatement, but, but like some, some very large market, um, with, with smaller spends, um, then like you really, you're going to have to change some stuff because developers don't pay for anything. Um, like that there's, there's a, there's a really like, that's, it's a, I mean, we're getting better about it, but, but like paying for dev tools always seems weird to me, especially as a, as an individual. Um, if my company's paying for it, then whatever. But I mean, if you look at, if you look at like the Microsofts of the world, I mean, that's been their, their bread and butter forever. And I mean, VS code is free. Right. I mean, like that's I, I really don't know what, how you how you monetize that. So if I look at if I am strategizing at Docker, I'm thinking to myself, well, we just sold off our really like our main revenue stream. So whatever we focus on next has got to be something that we can monetize and relatively quickly. Um, if if yeah. I'm them, I'm focusing way more on services. I'm doubling down on hub. Um, like I was telling, I was making suggestions in, in 2018, the biggest surprise to me for, for Docker over the last five years has been the underinvestment in hub. Um, I mean, the, 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 the fact that, I mean, the, the, in Docker hub, they had the missing artifact repository for the world. Um, like they, they gave us a global place where we're still, we can't get off it even if we wanted to. And all like. As far as I'm concerned, all of the alternatives that are not like running a private artifactory instance or whatever are really, really bad. Um, I mean, they're just they're tragic. Um, and so, like, I mean, I was even talking in, in, at the at the end of last year um, with some VP or something like that at Docker. I was like, "Look, GitHub just announced GitHub GitHub Actions. If you want to bring Dev Tools, bring CI automation with with real artifact." repositories with real artifact management don't give us this like github is great they're close to the source but like give me automation the best thing you ever did for me was give me auto builds in in docker hub and like why did that stop you yeah can, you can you can monetize that all day it's a it's a value-add service you can want you can you can basically just you're you're reselling infrastructure that you're sourcing out of aws anyway um and it, it like focusing on that would bring you closer to your customer, which are which are they're running service software anyway. So it's like if you understand it better, you'll be able to sell it to them better by being one. Yeah. Well, so what we do know um, on that topic, I'm just going to quote Docker. Uh, Docker is ushering in a new era with a return to our roots by focusing on advanced developer workflows when building, sharing, and running modern applications. Moving forward, we'll expand on Docker Desktop and Docker Hub's roles in the developer workflow for modern apps. Specifically, we are investing in expanding our cloud services to enable developers to quickly discover technologies for use when building applications, to easily share these apps with teammates and the community, and to run frictionlessly on any Kubernetes endpoint, whether locally or in the cloud. So they've mentioned Docker Desktop, Docker Hub, and running on Kubernetes, which yeah, I just I just get super concerned because it sounds like a uh, public service catalog or some something like that. That yeah, it's just like I don't yeah. So I don't know. Other things we do know that we haven't mentioned. So I'm just going to run down this list real quick that I made. Uh, what we do know is Scott Johnston, who has been with Docker for over five years, um, he he's now the new CEO. So this is this is the third CEO in a year, but I feel like. I mean, my personal opinion, it, with from an outsider who doesn't work in the company, you know, is, he's a he's a great choice. Um, we all we've all met him and worked with him at DockerCon and, and talked with him at DockerCon. So I hear nothing but good things about him. They got thirty five million dollars to go back to, to to work on these tools, and they specifically call out Hub and Desktop. And then um, other information we've learned since then is anything open source is a part of Docker Inc. 
and not going to Mirantis. So that means SwarmKit, Docker CLI, Docker Engine, all those things are staying with Docker. Um, anything that's closed source, like the Docker Enterprise fork of Docker Engine, is going to Mirantis. And there's expectations that Mirantis will give back. Uh, like they'll be committing to open source as well, but they don't, you know, Docker, it will still be heavily influencing those open source projects. And then um, to answer someone else's question, there is no news on DockerCon yet. So I suspect that was not their priority on day one announcements was to talk about a conference, uh, you know, whatever, six months from now. But I'm sure that they'll be updating us once they figure that out. So, But yeah, Docker Hub, I'm excited because I think that I agree with you, Jeff. Like a lot of people, we... We wanted Hub to be more awesome. Cloud started to become pretty cool. And I had customers and consulting clients that were really small shops that really only had like one part-time DevOps person using Docker Cloud when they, you know, gave us a two-month announcement to shut it, that they were shutting it down, a two-month notice uh, that they were, they were shutting it down. And um, that was a real shame because it could have, it could have been the easy button. And I thought that's where we were going was essentially the, you know, originally, if anyone doesn't remember, Heroku this originally Docker was a company that was competing with Heroku for easy button app deployments. And they were making uh, containers instead of build packs, which is kind of Heroku's way of doing things. And I feel like this is our chance to get back to that. So, so um, I don't disagree with uh, what Jeff was saying and, and what you're saying with respect to Docker hub and the potential there um, coming from representing a lot of enterprise customers None of those decisions that they made surprises me because those were all decisions that were way more focused at enterprise companies, enterprise companies that do pay for development tools. They don't want to use a public cloud SaaS service for Docker Hub. They want it on premise. They don't want anyone else touching their images. They don't want they want 17 steps for approving deployments and don't want the easy button, really. Um, they want security tooling and all that other stuff. So that doesn't surprise me in terms of the direction in the last three years from from where Docker was aiming. But with respect to the split, it does make sense that, or it might be a, a, an opportunity for them to not aim at enterprises anymore. Um, however, if they do get the push to monetize or get revenue as quickly as possible, uh, the lure of enterprise customers is probably going to come back around at some point. And it's, that's going to be another decision moment right now in the next couple of months that we're going to be kind of looking forward to is what the direction is and what, what kind of market they're trying to aim for, uh, at least in the, in the short term. I think the, 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 the rub there is that like, I mean, I don't even have to work that hard to find a counterexample like GitHub. Like just just do what GitHub did. GitHub is doing it five years ahead. Like gave, they just printed the roadmap on a nice little pamphlet and said, "Here's the exact order which to to do things. Give us public repos, sell private repos, sell standalone GitHub, GitHub Enterprise. GitHub Enterprise is a very viable product. I know a lot of enterprises who are consuming it. Right? Like mm -hmm. there you go, Docker Trusted Registry, and then build it out." But you launch it with the public space to get people's, you know, because there's a lot more, you're going to encounter a lot more champions in the public space. And then those champions convert to grassroots adoption, and which is like where Docker already had that, that, that kind of thing. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, enterprise has got to be on your roadmap at some point if you're selling even services. Um, but I just, I don't think that, that investing in hub would have necessarily been orthogonal to chasing the enterprise dollar. Fair, fair. And I'm not saying that, you know, no. there was like the best, best decision making. I mean, that's all post hoc at this point. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight is 2020, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of questions because, you know, I've been very vocal about my being myself being a fan of swarm for many years. So uh, I thought we'd just, yeah, just take some time to speculate on Swarm. So this is what we do know about Swarm. SwarmKit is open source. So it, according to what we've been told, it will be still a part of Docker. It's still a part of the open source Docker engine. What Mirantis has put out is a one paragraph statement, and I'll just read it so I get it right. Um, 
It's in the blog post. Let me just uh, bring that up. Yeah, so we know what they're acquiring. They're acquiring all of the closed source stuff. Docker Enterprise Platform, DTR, UCP. When they say Docker CLI, I think they probably should have said Docker Enterprise CLI because the Enterprise CLI now has custom features and custom add-ons, uh, plugins. And then um, what about Docker Swarm? The primary orchestrator going forward is Kubernetes. Mirantis is committed to providing an excellent experience to all Docker Enterprise Platform customers and currently expects to sw support Swarm for at least two years, depending on customer input into the roadmap. Mirantis is also evaluating options for making the transition to Kubernetes easier for Swarm users. Now, what we do know from doc previous Docker cons is that Docker's, uh, like of the 750 companies that are using it, the last stat I heard was 90% are using Swarm from an executive at Docker, and that was a Docker con. So, that was a while ago, so that's probably lower now because new customers are probably coming in because of Kubernetes and not on Swarm. Um, old customers are probably using one or both or maybe migrating. It's not like everyone's leaving Swarm because Docker Enterprise suddenly supports uh, Enterprise. I think, Mike, you can speak to that. Some of us can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, and even just looking through chat, there's a lot of people that are, Swarm's easy, Swarm is good, and Swarm is great, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of good success with it here as well. So. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of appeal to it due to its simpleness and it, it's really approachable. So, yeah. The, the big thing, the big thing we don't know is whether or not Docker is going to uh, Docker Inc. will sort of uh, reboot the Swarm team and grow it to the number of people it needs to move forward with new features like the the forthcoming storage CSI support and the cron support. Um, those were the two things I think on the roadmap from DockerCon this year, and you know we don't know if those if that team moved to Mirantis or if they're staying at Docker. But if you're on Swarm now, I just want to put this out there: like you don't have to leave today. This is not an announcement that Swarm is dead, although certainly its future is continued to be in question because we you know we're not really sure if Docker will put a lot of effort into it when they're focused on developer tooling and do they consider Swarm developer tooling? Um, so. I mean, I'm running it locally. I hope they do. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's in the boundary there. I mean, Docker came out with, Doc with Swarm Classic around the same time as Kubernetes was announced at DockerCon. And then they eventually integrated that into Docker. Um, it, they, there, was a, there was time when the Swarm came out, that the Swarm mode came out, that people were concerned about the bloat of the Docker engine, but they kind of solved that by splitting out container D and making that its own thing. So now with Kubernetes, you can run just container D if you don't want the full Docker engine, although most people still use the full Docker engine. So I don't know. There's a lot of, we could speculate a lot about its future. There's tons of fans. I see new people that buy my Swarm course every day. Every day people are buying it and telling me they're implementing it. Every conference I go to and every workshop I give, whether it's on Docker, Kubernetes, or Swarm, people are talking about Swarm. So there's definitely... A following, and I still haven't seen any studies that show that the percentage usage in the marketplace is dropping. That's the one thing that I keep looking for. Is uh, there's statistics that obviously show that exponential growth in Kubernetes over everything else, but I haven't yet. Not that there isn't. I just haven't yet seen a report showing that, like on DigitalOcean, that there aren't more deployments of Swarm than there were last year. Because to me, that's the indicator that that the community's interest has waned and they're moving away from it. And I just, um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to have a hard time getting that stat now though, because of all the managed Kubernetes products that are out there. So it's not like people are going to be deploying their own Kubernetes. You won't really be able to, to compare that apples to apples. You could certainly right. see whether or not it's going down, but that doesn't mean it's growing at the same rate though, either. Um, so, I don't know. The whole thing is, the whole thing is so weird. All I know is that when I turn on Kubernetes on my machine, uh, my battery lasts about 15 minutes, right. and and get, because I've you, got I've got 18 freaking different processes and a, a fully safe distributed system uh, on my single freaking CPU, and I generate like raise the temperature in my lofted ceiling house by like four degrees. Um, so like it is not appropriate for my laptop. Get it off. I can run Swarm all day. And I had no problems. Yeah. So like, if I was gonna say like, 
Yeah, if you want to invest in developer tooling, Swarm is still super important. What I would do is instead of having a, co- a Compose operator for Kubernetes, I would I would give me like a Kube YAML interpreter to to launch freaking containers on my Swarm uh, or or something or Docker Compose. Like make Docker Compose uh, use both YAML formats based on a flag, and that way you don't have to have that such a different YAML. That's a good point. Yeah, that that's so, definitely a friction point for me with with teams I'm working with is the YAML formats. So so with respect to local development, Swarm seems pretty awesome, right? If you needed to like mock out a bunch of services locally, needed to test, you know, local chaos engineering kind of things or distributed application architectures or consensus, you know, or data flows seems like you know swarm could be like k1s and rebranded and then just deployed locally k1s and, <laughs> and, I, I think darren will have some words about that yeah that, that might be that might be a stretch i think he might be the the person with the with the most informed opinion on yeah running kubernetes locally I mean, he said, he said at DockerCon, I'm trying to make Kubernetes as easy as Swarm. That was like a direct quote from his, yeah. and we talked about it on his show. He was on here last month and we talked about that, you know, he loves, and uh, he loves the Swarm uh, workflow. And even a year ago, over a year ago, when I was at O'Reilly, I got like two minutes um, with Kelsey Hightower. And one of the things he agreed to was that Swarm got it right when it came to the, the, the setup, the deployment of the infrastructure, like uh, the easy button for that. But but as a lot of people like to point out, they're like, well, K3S maybe is going to solve that. And I was kind of hoping for that too, but I don't see how they're going to make easier app deployments and easier YAML management. And like, they're not trying to no, approach no. that, right? They're just focused on infrastructure. So Well, you can't, you can't vary the interface, otherwise it's not Kubernetes. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's the whole, that's the whole rub. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, go on the rancher route to where Rio goes and uh, hire tools that are built on top of that, and um, if they can bring that same UX there as well through that. So, hey, ranchers, ranchers always been killing it. Um, they, you know, speaking of tweets, there's been a lot of really good tweets. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Jeff Lindsay at all, um, but he he had a, a really good poignant tweet the other day. Um, and I remember in 2014 when we were at the very early stages of of the 2013 and 2014, where CoreOS was putting stuff out. This was pre Swarm. This was even pre ECS. And I mean, he put out like three or four projects that were really, really cool, and some stuff that was really promising. And uh, he had some tweet that was, you know, in a very Jeff Lindsay way. It was just like. You know, I still could have built something better than than Kubernetes, and it was just like a, a very like a little bit of a little bit of a jab. But like, I don't see why there isn't a reason to still do so. Um, I mean, we we need a better UX, um, and I mean, the, for all all the all the technical credit to the the good folks at Google. Um, I mean, really a lot of really smart people, you know, doing a lot of really good work to put that project together. But like engineers. I mean, the the engineer de- designing UX is like the most popular anti-pattern around, right? Like, engineers are awful at UX, and what we ended up with was like a really, really, really high education burden to get started with this with this thing, and and a very long tail to mastery. Um, so I I I. I I would have loved to see Flynn go somewhere. I would I would have loved. Uh, more popularization around um, Daku or whatever it was at the time. Like, that was really interesting. Yep. But one, one comment that I did see that I'll, I'll just mention to you is, um, I mean, looking at the enterprise stack with DTR and UCP right now, they're very still tightly coupled to Swarm. So there's going to be a lot of work to even internally for them to get those um, parts of the platform to not work on Swarm. Um, so uh, it's going to be a decent amount of work even just uh, to change that aspect of the enterprise platform. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the sorry, I was going to say one of the challenges and I I I I, th- I think about this stuff all the time, right? Like what if what if the real challenge here is that Swarm's user base 
is n- largely not Go developers, which most people I talk to are not that use it. And they're not able or interested in giving back to that. And I think one of the things for me, standing from the outside on Kubernetes that made it so popular early on was it was a lot of infrastructure developers that were working on that project and making it the the feature-laden thing that it is today that um, allowed everyone else to build on top of it. Where Swarm never was that because its target market wasn't the people. I mean, it was both easy for developers to use, but everyone I know using it are the people that can't assimilate the Kubernetes tooling in order to do, a, you know, a three server deployment. Right. So I, I don't, it's one of those things with, with swarm. It's like, if it was left up to the community, right. Let's just say it was open source completely like it is today. And, um, and there was, uh, since there's no official enterprise support and no one's paying for it, maybe it doesn't get, uh, as much love and maybe leaning on the community more. That's what worries me is that whether or not it could still survive with that community and keep moving forward and, and adding new features because that community isn't near as deep as, you know, Kubernetes. That's a, that's a concern I have, I guess. I mean, I'm a, I'm a super technical and I'm a, I'm a Go developer and I was in Docker, in Docker code base from the beginning. And like their, their launch to Swarm mode, it was just like so even developer hostile. Like the, the, there was like eight, there was like eight things that happened in that summer of 2016, that, 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 uh, spring and summer of 2016 that made the whole project so freaking hard to work with. It was like, I don't know. It, and it wasn't necessarily the go part. It was like the GRPC component, like how the swarm protocol worked and all this stuff that was just like, man, I feel bad for anybody who doesn't have, who doesn't have the depth. I mean, I'm still not sure that I understand actually how it works today. But like the closeness of the way that the the product architecture changed completely de-incentivized me uh, from from even really investing in learning it. Um, so now, I mean, I don't I just don't think you're going to get much community support for that product. I don't care how big it is, because at the end of the day, moving to Kubernetes is probably cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so get it hard. What's that? <laughs> You're going to break Brett's heart. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's the thing is, uh, you know, one of the things for me, and I felt comfortable about this. I was telling my wife this last night. I felt very comfortable still about committing to Swarm and talk when people, you know, I get the question every day. Should I really choose Swarm? Does it still have a future? And I'm, I keep saying, look, a majority of Docker's enterprise paying customers still use it. Like they're going to support any product that's paying the bills. But now that's not the case. It is a, it is a, a, We'll figure it out in 2020, right? Like, I think Docker will, you know, they'll come out and they'll be either making PRs and you'll see the team either still there or growing because I'm not really sure if the team moved or not. I'm not sure if uh, one of the guys in chat knows knows that or not. But, you know, whether or not people still are able to commit to it, I think one of the things for the challenging for Kubernetes or uh, Swarm beyond just the the drivers is we're seeing things like Rexray die on the vine. And uh, because it's just probably a lack of like VMware is not supporting Rexray because they probably don't need to do that anymore. And uh, so we need we need to shore up some things like the the, the storage support and stuff like that. So um, I think it's a little dicey right now for me to recommend it to people because I don't want them to be st- stuck in a year in a place that they don't want to be in. But I mean, I still like I said, it still runs my all my stuff and. There's tons of people out there that are going to be able to use it. We know that it's going to have two, year, two years of fixes, at least. I wouldn't expect Mirantis to be putting in new features, but Docker might still say, hey, we see this as a workflow thing. It's a developer tooling thing, and we're going to keep working on it. So we'll just see. Hopefully, they'll have something official for us because a lot of the captains talk about it. We all, a lot of us still hope for a future in it. And maybe this will give us a, a renewed focus on simple tools like that instead of having to worry so much about uh, competing with Kubernetes because... At the end of the day, I, I don't feel like they need to compete. No, I, I really don't think they compete either. I think that they serve two different audiences very well. And like, I really, I don't have any like hostility or, or preference one way or the other. I think that if anything, the the short sighted UX of Kubernetes creates lots of really positive consulting opportunities uh, <laughs> for for the entire the entire industry. Um, yeah, right. Uh, and and really really easy sales pitches for managed products in the cloud. Um, yeah. I just wish that like from a, I just, I, I really, from a, Kubernetes is, is just as dead on the vine, in my opinion, as Swarm is, as far as development goes, 
there's so many huge holes in that ecosystem that are like really, really problematic, um, especially for as far as like implementation goes. I mean, even the managed products are are barely covering what I need out of out of these things. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like the, I had a really like a nightmare, like a nightmare experience with DigitalOcean earlier this year where I just realized just how thin products in this space are. Hmm. And um, I just, I, I wish that we would, that we could get like another year of funded engineering on either of these projects before the we, we dump all $80 billion into sales and marketing um, because the products aren't finished. Like they're yeah. not even close. So um, one thing that we haven't touched upon is I think the Windows story and mm. .NET workloads, mm. um, which doesn't have a great story on Kubernetes, has a slightly better story on Swarm and, and Docker, but it was a big differentiation with respect to Docker EE in that, that world. And I, I don't think any of us are Windows subject matter experts and .NET application developers. I don't want to speak on behalf of all of us, but that's definitely a, like an open question now is uh, what about the big push for running you know, dot network loads and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that VMware is gonna give you us give us a, a really good uh, a really good short term solution to that. Yeah. Um, just schedule just schedule Windows VMs instead of containers. Yeah. Well and this thing's all gonna go back around again, right? Like it's gonna end up like with Kubernetes and all of the tooling around managing VMs and from Kubernetes and um, like the inception never ends. Um, right. So Mike has to jump off, actually. Uh, we can keep talking, but I feel like this is actually a good opportunity to wrap up and then we talk about this again, like we bring up this whole new topic once Docker is able to share some more light on what their future plans are. Maybe, they, maybe they're going to hold on to that till DockerCon. We don't even know if there will be a DockerCon. Hopefully we all want to be at DockerCon because that's where we all get to hang out. So we're, we're, we're really hoping for that. But um, I think the, the gist of this is that Nothing has changed except everything's changed. <laughs> <laughs> if if there's no if there's no DockerCon, can we commit to all just hanging out in San Francisco in like the May June timeframe? Yeah, well, oh, we've look, ar- we're all together. Whoops, <laughs> we're all planning in Austin, right? So maybe we just go hang out at the Austin bars, listen to some good music, and talk about containers. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all being on the show. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but I feel like we got through some of the big topics in chat. And I'm glad that some of the Docker uh, staff jumped on the call and Aaron chat as well, because it's always interesting to see their points of view. So thanks for showing up and uh, sharing a little bit of the stress of the last 24 hours with us. And of course, we will be uh, back here next week, uh, not hopefully talking about this topic as much. We'll have another guest on the show. And of course, I'm going to invite all of these gentlemen back on the show again. Uh, sometime soon so we can talk about what's new at Docker because hopefully this gets us back to new products and new tools that got us excited in the first place to jump on the Docker bandwagon. So um, thank you all for being here and we'll see you next week on YouTube Live. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.